how's your uh, how's your head after staying out till two a.m.? Stayed out till two a.m. last night and pints of water were swamped. I know, nearly a, a drop of alcohol across my lips. So mm. I'm on day two of my uh, my post friend visit dry period. So um, myself and my wife Elisa we decided, okay, uh, that's it. We're gonna we're gonna go for a month. This was on Friday. Saturday, we went to Lisa's house, her family's house, and uh, I turned around and there she was drinking a glass of wine. So I'm on my own now. It's a solo trek. I'll, I'll be there to support you, so, mate. You will. Um, that's true. I was going to say no till St. Patrick's Day, but that's only 17 days. You know, are I, you doing your St. Patrick's Day party this year? I, we are. We are. I'm going um, to have a few tunes. Aye. I'll aye. bring my fiddle. Bring your fiddle. <laughs> if, if you need the place do, to do clear you? out at the end. <laughs> the last time I went off drink... Um, was uh, in January in Seattle, which is a kind of natural time to do it because it's kind of dreary and everything's everything's shite anyway. So you just think, okay, I'll just I'll just make it even worse by going off drink. <laughs> um, but the, the 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 real insight about it was not oh so much more energy each day or I feel so much more clear headed. It was just like this is really boring. <laughs> I was thinking about that because I'm coming up to about two and a half years, coming up to three years actually. And I was thinking about the boring aspect. Jesus, it was boring when I first did it. And I think I don't, I can't tell whether I'm used to it. But that's kind of you probably. No, no, you're still boring. You're you're very boring. Oh, I'm not. I'm always going to be okay with what's happening internally. (laughs) It's my, it's my outward look that I have to be concerned with. But uh, I don't get. I don't know. Maybe it's just maybe you just get used to being. Well, it's bored. really used to. So, like last night, we went to um, Boxwood to the to the session after the festival. So, what's Boxwood? Just so people um, know what it is. You explain what Boxwood is. So, Boxwood is a like four day long gathering which happens in Queenscliff in Victoria, and it's all Celtic music. So, there's a lot of Cape Breton, Irish, Scottish, and there's classes all during the day. There's sessions at night, and and a good few concerts and other things that happen around. It's a fantastic event, and funny enough, it's actually. An event which it was one of the tipping points for me and Don to start off on this uh, project. We we ended up down there on a on a random February night two years ago because we heard there was a session on, and we're like, "Well, we're Irish. Let's go see it. Yeah, let's, let's do that." <laughs> so um, last night we went to the session there. There was and there were sessions going on all all over this big house. Um, and uh, the the first thing that happened when I got there was I saw somebody coming out of the kitchen with a a bottle of beer, and I had deliberately not brought any beer so i was looking at it and immediately just the trigger goes like you're like oh i want a beer maybe i I could catch a beer off your man because i remember him from two years ago when i was here right and um uh it's it's such a an immediate uh pavlovian sort of response right so straight to the kitchen got a pint glass of water and and then i was grand it's not the same but it's it's (laughs) it's just a it's kind of interesting anyway So today, uh, today, it's not that interesting. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, great chats, great chats. Uh, speaking of great chats, welcome anyone that's a new listener and all listeners who are coming back for yet another instalment. Welcome also. This is the bit of the show where I ask for your help. Now, old time listeners will know at the start we used to say like, look, we're never going to have ads in this podcast, and we still want to do that. We believe it's crucially important to have that hour, hour and a half chat uninterrupted. We want you in the room with us and we don't want some, I don't know, Subaru car ride ripping you out and then throwing you back in again. And, uh, you know, that came to me when I was having a chat with Catherine McAvoy, today's guest. We were interrupted. 
during the uh, interview and it was hard to get back into again now it, during the edit you won't hear any of that but it really made me think geez that inter uninterrupted hour that we're giving our listeners is so important so yeah i mean keep going. Be, yeah you, you don't want to break the spell like, yeah. and and you know from our perspective and hopefully from yours as listeners right um you're kind of in a different place when you're in the middle of this podcast, um, Kate Burke said to me at one point um, a few weeks back, she just sent me a message on Facebook. And she said, I'm just listening to, um, I think it was Tracy McKeague's episode. And she said, uh, this this podcast sort of feels like home to me. Mm-hmm. And that just absolutely blew me away. And part of that is possible because we don't have advertising. <laughs> and so. the reason we can go without advertising is because it's listener funded. So once again, we're here. The call out is going out to go over to patreon.com forward slash Balarney Pilgrims. So here it is, Catherine McAvoy. Enjoy. Oh, oh, hang on. Before we get into it, I actually just want to make an apology. During the interview, uh, Catherine is speaking about her flute, which was made by Mike Grinter. And when Catherine mentioned that, I fumbled in and I said, oh, we actually only had one other flute player on the show and um, they played a my Grinter flute also and in the moment I completely forgot about Beth McCracken so Beth if you do hear this episode ever I'm so sorry I, I forgot your name and I'm completely mortified anyway here's the interview Thank you. 
Catherine McAvoy. Thank you so much for being on the Bologna Pilgrims. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks so much for asking me. Oh, yeah. So what that, that set of tunes, what did we just hear? Yeah, they were two jigs. Um, the first one is a, is a common enough tune. Um, it's called East of Glendart. And um, the second one is called The Greenfields of Woodford. Um, why did I play those tunes? Just because I particularly like playing them. They really. had a lovely... Um, like they're very, there's a very danceability to them. They're very peppy. Like I, I found myself completely rocking into them. <laughs> yeah, it's probably um, probably the style of, of flute playing that that I've just developed. I suppose over the years from from maybe listening to um, flute players from Roscommon and uh, Leitrim. Yeah. So um, and of course fiddle players as well. And uh, you know, it's I I just seem to have developed. Now, I, I was going to ask you about this because it's 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 it seems to be a reoccurring theme, and I've asked a few people that have been on before about the styles, and it's been explained to me in in different ways. Um, John Carty explained to me as a musical accent, and I really enjoyed that because it kind of I started to understand yes, what it was. Yes, and yes. then I started to like I'm one of those people that if I spend a lot of time in other people's company, like, this is a Drogheda accent. Apparently, <laughs> I'll take on their accent. So, good accent. Good accent. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it happens musically too. Is that what happened with you? Yeah, well, my parents um, were both from County Roscommon. And funnily enough, you mentioned John Carty there. I think his, his I'm not sure about his mum, but I know his dad was, was from uh, Roscommon as well. Um, and I, I suppose, I, I mean, I learned most of my music. Uh, I was born and reared in Birmingham and I only came over to live in Ireland in 1977 at the tender age of 19 yeah. now you can work out how old I am <laughs> I don't mind yeah. um so you know I, we used to have a lot of um uh, musicians visiting Birmingham and a lot of them were actually from um Roscommon Leitrim you know now there were, obviously there were others from Galway and maybe from, from the north of Ireland and you know generally around but um the the, the core of the music in Birmingham was a family uh, called the Cullen family and Elizabeth Cullen was originally from Keju outside in County Roscommon okay. and she was married to a doctor um, uh, Dr. Laurie as we called him so it was the Laurie family and they were sort of the probably um, you know the core of the music in Birmingham and that's where I would have grown up and a lot of musicians that would have come over would have stayed in the house and that's where I would have met the likes of Patsy Hanley from yeah. Roscommon um, Josie McDermott the blind flute player I would have met um, maybe going further afield I would have met Seamus Connolly the great fiddle player who uh, now lives in, in America um, I would have met Joe Burke yeah. you know a whole cohort of, of musicians what um, was the um, what was the Birmingham Roscommon connection is it was the one family? It was, yeah. I suppose there was a lot of people in in settled in Birmingham from Roscommon, Mayo, yeah, Leitrim from the west of Ireland. And I mean, my any... father was one of them. He would have come over, I suppose, in the late forties, early fifties, and uh, he would have uh, worked for Wimpy and McAlpine. Oh, yeah, you know, you've heard all those names in the, in the songs. Yeah. You know, the famous songs, and uh, would have worked on the buildings and. Uh, yeah, you know, so there was um, a huge contingent of Irish people settled in, in Birmingham, I suppose, as well as London as well. But, I mean, a lot of very famous musicians would have gravitated towards London. You know, you had Bobby Casey, you had uh, 
um, well, let me see, there was Bobby Casey, there was Tommy McCarthy, um, there was uh, um, Paddy Taylor, um, and Willie Clancy, the famous piper yeah. Willie Clancy also spent. I'm but sure John Carty has talked to you about mm. this, you know. The, but, I mean, there was a, 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 a lot of music in Birmingham as well. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, that's the bit that kind of interests me. Like, cause it's, well, I really don't know Birmingham that that much. I might have been in it once when I was a kid, but it's it's nowhere in the size of London. So the amount of it's the second that's city. It's actually the second city. Is it really? London's the biggest, and then Birmingham is is the next. Is it yeah, really? Yeah, oh, right. yeah, well, yeah. That's one thing I don't think I'll be learning tonight. That's brilliant. So the the musicians were coming through, and they said they stayed with you. So you well, well with the family, this Larry family. The Larry I was family. only sort of coming in at that time you know learning I was about 11 or 12 when I got interested right so mum and dad musical Um, my mother sang she was a ballad singer but a closet ballad singer she absolutely loved music and would always have wanted to I think have got involved in music but you know at that particular time um, you know unless you had money and that and so she emigrated she was from just outside Strokestown okay where they have the famous festival now and um, she emigrated and she was doing nursing as a lot of women did Mm -hmm. at those times you know my dad then um, he would have been from a musical enough family like his father Mark McAvoy played the flute and then my dad's brother Tommy McAvoy um who was also known as Star because he was a great footballer. Yeah. Yeah. And it was reported in the Roscommon papers that he was the star of the match. So he, nice the name nickname. stuck. Yeah. But he was, played the fiddle a bit. Right. Uh, but so do you thing, remember them playing? I would, Yeah. When we used to, we were young, both my, my brothers, just myself and my brother um, in the family. And uh, my brother was a great fiddle player, uh, John McAvoy. And we used to come home on holiday and my uncle used to love taking out the fiddle and play a few, play, playing a few tunes. Yeah. My dad would knock out a couple of tunes on the whistle. But again, you know, he was always more interested in football. And in actual fact, he would all go, you know, he's passed on now, but he would always have said, uh, you know, I was offered a trial with Aston Villa. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that one, there. Yeah. That's a common, common yeah. story. Yeah, yeah. So when you were seeing them playing, was that on family holidays back to Ireland well, we friend. always came back on holiday from when we were very young yes um, but then um, when I got both myself and my brother got interested in, in music um, John would have been a wee bit older than me he had been away in boarding school and he started doing classical fiddle then he used to come home and used to be buying records of the Dubliners and that I had been to a, a parish dance and I saw some Irish dancers and I saw a girl Kathleen Laurie playing the accordion and I sort of I was more interested nearly in the music than the dancing yeah. but I did do Irish dancing for a while but the, the the woman who actually taught dancing in Birmingham her name was Anne King and she used to have us dancing to uh, Sean Maguire and the Four Star Quartet yeah. uh, Michael Coleman that's basically what she had us dancing to and I just I, she used to lend us the records to bring home and practice our dancing and of course, my brother then was listening to this stuff, and he thought it was fantastic. He started picking up tunes yeah. from the the records, no CDs, records. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just like an an evolving thing. And he started playing, and then I started playing the piano accordion, and I asked. 
Kathleen Laurie if she give me lessons. I'd learned a few tunes myself at that stage, but unfortunately I'm left-handed and I was playing the tunes upside down, had the accordion the wrong way around. But anyway, she soon corrected that. And yeah, I started off on the accordion. Then gradually, as I got to see musicians passing through, I saw Josie McDermott playing the flute. I saw Peg McGrath. Yeah. who was from Boylan County, Roscommon. She was the first woman I'd ever seen because there was very few female flute players at that stage. Yeah. And I was just totally, you know, taken with this. And uh, my parents bought me an old flute in a, from a second-hand shop in Birmingham. And um, I started trying to learn a few tunes myself. There were no flute teachers. So I'm basically self-taught in that own. respect. Yeah. Um, I, I know so, you were really young, but do you remember the... Like the... I'm inverting comments here, but the Irish, your connection to being Irish, and I'm probably asking this with relation to my own kids yeah, growing up yeah, in Australia. Yeah. Was that was that part of it, or was it just purely the music that had grabbed you? Or was there a bit of it's, identity? I, in there my as brother well? and myself have often discussed this, and the funny thing about it was both my, my parents, obviously they were very Irish, but they wanted us to integrate. Mm. You know, uh, they they uh, obviously we were in uh, a St Patrick's parish you know, yeah. which was the local church. Um, my brother was uh, wanted himself to go to, when he finished in, in we were both sent to private schools. Yeah. We didn't go to the local schools. So education was a huge thing. My brother was sent to boarding school, mainly because he wanted to go to Cotton College, which is in North Staffordshire. Most of the guys who, who are a good proportion of the guys who went there, went on for the priesthood, which my brother did. Right. He spent two years in Oscar College, and uh, but decided probably like which dare I say saw the light and decided it wasn't for him. Yeah. Um, you know but education was a huge thing yeah. with my parents I went to a private school you know there wasn't particularly much music there I went to then I did my 11 plus I went to technical grammar school um, and it was um, that would be been a quite musically or- orientated but certainly not Irish music yeah. and I remember them asking the music teacher asking me to bring my accordion in on St Patrick's Day and play and I did and there were some dancers and I played for the dancers and I particularly remember her coming up to me saying oh that's lovely and um, do you make it up as you go along <laughs> so, <how did laughs> so I was totally feel? disgusted as you yeah. can imagine you know <laughs> But were you at a, were you at an age where you were brave was, enough to I was have about a go? thirteen. No, no, I was about thirteen yeah. at that time, thirteen or fourteen, and I was, I, I was actually fourteen going on fifteen when I started playing the flute. Right. That's when I had actually seen, the, as I say, the blind flute player Josie McDermott and Peg McGrath, um, were on a visit to Birmingham, and I just was totally besotted by the music, and I just thought, oh my god, that that's it was just fantastic. You yeah. Know? So you were just then, pick, you were picking the flute out of records at that then. At that and stage. then I started getting Seamus Tansy records and slow, I, slowing them down. Yeah. And was it easy getting figure. records of flute uh, well, at that the, time? There wasn't because of course the family that that you know I I I had so they had befriended me. Yeah. You know, obviously they were giving me records, and then also there was a fiddle player called Paddy Ryan from from uh, Castlereagh who was living in Birmingham at the time. I mean, even now, well, he's not, Paddy's not that well at the moment, but Paddy was a great man for passing on music and that. And he used to give us reel-to-reel tapes. Yeah, yeah. 
of music. So we had a store of stuff to listen to. This is know? a small piece of the question. So when you slowed stuff down, did, did you need to um, retune? Yeah. Right. Oh, right. I mean, hold on. There was a whole load going on here. Because you can't you know, do that with You slowed the stuff down on the t- turntable. Yeah. But it was basically what you were getting was sort of, especially with Seamus Townsend, it was like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And like I was trying to figure out, he's, he's doing something, rolls, you know. How on earth is he doing that? And it was by process of elimination. And learning the tunes, it was trying to figure out, okay, where is he starting? So what you do is you'd listen to it in its proper form at mm. proper speed and you'd figure out the note he was starting on. Yeah. You know, and then you'd just listen, 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 listen over and over and over again and bit by bit. Then you'd go back and you'd listen to the fast thing and then you'd work at it. It took a long time, but you did it. That, that's what you had to do. Yeah. But I, it was I, a great process. It was a great process when I think of, you know, learning, learning stuff. And then, you know, you'd think you were great. And I used to spend hours and hours in the kitchen after, you know, when I come home from school, yeah. maybe do a bit of homework if they were lucky and uh, yeah I'd be in the kitchen my parents would be in the other room maybe falling asleep or whatever I'd yeah. be in the kitchen with tapes and stuff cassette tapes and I'd be listening to stuff and learning stuff and then I might tape myself and I think I was great and I'd tape myself listen back and I'd say oh my god that sounds <laughs> awful you know what am I doing wrong yeah. <laughs> and, and mom, how, how encouraging were mum and dad for this I mean they they look put it like this they they thought it was great you know they didn't push yeah. you know like a lot of parents now it's like you're doing this you know you you're they're, they're pushing yeah. the kids into it with us in a way it was nearly like i mean my dad was after doing a day's work you know yeah on the buildings he'd come in and have his dinner you know all he wanted to do was sit down and relax i used to i remember going up to him saying um dad would you mind uh, bringing me for my accordion lesson which meant that he had to drive from where we lived in Edgebaston all the way out to um, I think it was was it Perry Bar or out that or Hansworth it was Hansworth where the, the family lived and uh, he'd sort of be oh, okay okay you know and he did it yeah. whereas now it's the other way around it's sort of like the parents <laughs> sort of like okay come on get your instrument come on let's bring it to the classes you yeah. know but you were so driven. That I think I think I was. We were driven. Like it yeah. must be nice as a parent to maybe you've seen it with your own kids, but it must be nice to to see passion be planted yeah. and then for them just oh, to it want is. it. It is, yeah. Yeah, same with my own kids. I I said I'd never push them into it. Yeah, you know, and uh, I mean, obviously, you know, um, I drove them to their classes, you know, and they said they wanted to do this and that fiddle. And Anton McGowan taught to to them the fiddle, and then. And then my son, Rory, decided that he didn't want to go to fiddle lessons anymore, that he'd do it himself. And then it was sort of a case of, fancy taking the fiddle out, Rory? Ah, well, later, you know. The year he did his leaving cert, I swear to God, he did more work in that year. It was like, will you ever put the fiddle away and do a bit of bloody work? Like, you know, but he did great and he's a wonderful fiddle player. And he did it sort of similarly to me listening, Mm. you know. And and then my my daughter also plays the fiddle, and uh, she carried on going to Anton McGowan, who lives near us actually in County Meath, and is a great fiddle player. And um, my the youngest fellow who's now t- twenty eight, Fergus, uh, 
it was sort of always in the house and he was listening to it and one day he just picked up the flute and he started playing a jig with a roll in it (laughs) yeah it was weird you know so it was okay and then after that I mean people would come up to me and they'd say oh you taught him well or whatever I didn't I didn't. But he was around. He was. He didn't. He, he he learned the same way as I did. Yeah. He was playing now CDs at that time, you know, and and some cassettes, but he learned most of the stuff himself. It reminds me. I read a, an old interview of yours, and you had mentioned it was around. I was talking about style, like yeah, yeah. regional style. Yeah. And was that I the Brad Hurley interview? I think, I think was it, it was online. Yeah. Oh and God, said, that's um, years ago. Yeah. But the interesting thing you said was that with CD. Uh, because it's so easy to get CDs, it like the maybe the edge of being rounded off some of those regional styles. Because, yes. and I definitely feel that that's happening for me as an adult learner, right? Yes. So, like playing yes. banjo, I can jump between whoever is teaching the tune I want to learn yeah. the easiest way. And yes. it, it's such maybe it's a personality show that I'm <laughs> a little bit lazy, but I, I I know there's other options out there, so I'll just. I'll be watching this guy and he'll start teaching this particular tune yeah. but then there's a lady on the other channel and she has a slightly different easier version it's yeah. so easy to learn the other version and, and I can see how the the edges are rounded off because you can the, the options are endless oh they're oh well now the options are endless I mean it's a case of you know like where did you get that tune oh I got it off the internet <laughs> yes. Yeah, 1am when I stumbled on this video. You know, and the the number of tunes out there, like, and you see there's an awful lot of stuff being composed. A lot I wouldn't be interested in learning now, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, But um, there's a huge amount of stuff out there, you know, which is great. Do you reckon we could have a tune? Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, I played these two tunes. They're they're sort of favourites. The... um, let me think of the names of them now. The Boys of the Lock and the oh. Devils of Dublin. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> 
before you um, you joined the Birmingham Kelly Band? Oh, uh, yeah, it was sort of a baptism of fire, really, because um, there, there were two flute players at the band with the time, uh, at that particular time. Um, one was a man called uh, Frank Carty, who was from Balahadreen in County Roscommon. He also played the saxophone, and he used to play in the Irish Centre with a dance band called Eileen and the Irish Rovers. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, there had been a flute player called Frank Jordan, and Frank is still alive. He's in his, he's ninety four, I think, or wow. ninety three, and he's he's um, he's in a home at the moment, but uh, still plays the flute now and again. Yeah, um, he had gone back to Ireland, returned to Ireland, and. Another man called Tom McHale, who I, I always knew him as a whistle player, but he also play, actually played the flute. And he, he was in Birmingham, I think, for about six months or so. And he uh, joined the Birmingham Cayley Band, then decided to go back to Ireland shortly before the band were due to come over to Ireland for the Oireachtas. You've probably heard mm-hmm. of the Oireachtas, which was a huge thing at that time in in the 70s. Well, it still is, but the music part of it was a very big thing. It was even yeah. bigger than the All-Ireland uh, at that particular time. So they knew that I had was messing around with the flute and trying to learn a few tunes myself. So basically it was a case of, there's the flute, learn the tunes. Great. And so that was the beginning of it. Yeah. And... I had sort of been playing the piano with the band, yeah. you know, vamping. Yeah. And they got another girl, Carol, in uh, to do that and uh, called Celestine Boyle. And so, yeah, it was a baptism of fire. And we came, I learned the tunes, sat in with the band. We came over for the Oireachtas. And it was sort of like, um, I was a bit of an oddity. Well, it would have been... Like yeah. a, my mind would have been a bit rock I mean, and roll. We, we're talking about nineteen seventy-three ish. Yeah, it was sort of like, oh my god, who's this young one? You know. Yeah, but you were touring around. You were like, no, no, no. I was still in school, like or in college, and yeah, you know. Um, but what, what I mean, touring around, would you like you in were Birmingham? I was, yeah. We like with the band on weekends. Yeah, you know, it was a great way of. That must me, have been me getting out yeah. oh yeah it was as much it was a way of sort of you know because you know we didn't mix that much because my school was a long way a, a, a good bus ride away yeah. and I mean I didn't associate that much with the teenagers in, in the school you know so we were quite cosseted in that sense so it was a great way of getting out and um, yeah we used to go to Manchester Liverpool London all around the place playing at Cayley's. I mm. actually remember um, playing at a Cayley in London and this young fella at the end of the, the night 
they were saying this great musician you know wait till you hear him playing the banjo and this young fellow with a mop of curly hair was put up on the stage to play for us and who was it but John Carty <laughs> So that would would have been that's, that's what I mean, kind of rock and roll. Yeah. You're, you're touring around. You're, you're younger than nearly everyone else, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At that time, not many women playing. No, no. Well, not playing the flute anyway. Yeah, yeah. Even in England at that time, I suppose there wouldn't have been that many. Were you aware of what you were? No, in the I, I, from that point of view, the gender thing never occurred to me. It was only later in life that you know it began to people began to say things to me you know and mm. and then if, funnily enough younger musicians I mean there's so many women playing the flute now but you know women who were doing masters in limerick and traditional music and stuff like that and they were all contact, and contacting me and saying would you come and talk to us about you know women yeah. f- flute players and all that you know and of course I, I had to tell the, the, the funny story about you've heard of Peter Horan Peter Horn is a great, legendary, one of the legendary, legendary duets was Fred Finn and Peter Horn. They were they were from Gertrude, yeah. and uh, there was a girl over from from Canada and learning the flute and that, and she was spending time down in in Gertrude and with Peter Horn, you know, and um, she she had come up to stay with me as well but anyway she told me this story she said I've been talking to Peter Horan and she said to him do you know Catherine McAvoy and he oh I do great flute player and uh, she said oh right yeah and he said do you know why and she says no why because she plays like a man (laughs) (laughs) but it's interesting you say that with the young like the young younger players emailing you because you mentioned earlier on, you, one of the first flute players you saw was Peg. Peg, Peg yeah. For, even for you, you, you had that same moment. You saw another woman playing. Yeah, yeah. well, this is it, I suppose, from that point of view. I, 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 every other person I'd seen up to then playing the flute was male, you know. Yeah. Did you have any... It was sort of like, I mean, one? she was pretty. She was she was a gorgeous person. And, you know, it was... Wow. Um, then there was also Josie... This is really strange... Josie McDermott, who I would have learned a huge amount of music from as well, who was blind. Yeah. And Peg used to bring him around, you know. But in my day job, which I recently retired from, I ended up teaching in the school for visually impaired, yeah, well, teaching music. Yeah. I mean, that is just so bizarre. Kind of all, all the you know, pieces needy, fit in. I often think, is your life mapped out for you? <laughs> the, the signposts are there. Yeah, signposts are there, yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, just um, speaking of, of Peg... Uh, reading again more um, just reading up some interviews for today I was reading about the Tane Kelly band the Tane Kelly band yeah of course you've been from from uh, Drogheda well that's or Dundalk you're Drogheda no I'm Drogheda yeah you're Drogheda yeah oh (laughs) jeez I'm getting trouble for getting that Ah, Um, but yeah so Peg played Peg played with them and sadly Peg lost her life she was cycling to mass one morning on her bike and you know the one way system there she was going around and she got hit by a lorry and it was oh, it was devastating it was so so sad and um so anyway the of course the band were short of a flute player and they they phoned me and they said look would you be interested in playing with the band and i said i'd be honored to not the peg could ever be replaced but yeah. you know it was an honor to to have been asked so i did 
and we went on then to win three All Irelands, yeah, <laughs> three in a row business, you know. But that sounds like it was quite a feat, and it was by what I was reading, it was a um, uh, yeah, it was a definite uh, kind of idea that you wanted to try and, and do, do yeah. That. Well, they enjoyed playing together, and they did play good music. Like the Kayleigh bands have changed a lot now, you know, like that style of Kayleigh band has probably so. gone out. It's very that the, like the Kayleigh bands are very competition orientated now, and. You know, it's 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 really practiced. You yeah. know, everything is really precision, precision. You know, mm-hmm. um, but it look it was great. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And funnily enough, there only a, it's about a month ago we had a, a reunion for um, it was the twenty fifth anniversary of Peg's death. Oh, okay, right. So we all got together with the family. Of course, Peg's children are all grown up. They weren't that old then. I yeah. think the eldest lad was just had done his leaving cert. And she had a, another Brona, I think, was only just doing a confirmation. She was about 12. The other two lads were only, I think, seven and nine or whatever. Yeah. So it was very sad at the time, yeah. you know. Um, with, the, with that band, it, uh, it obviously came from a very sad place. But then to win, to win an Old Ireland, I was just thinking about this, to win an Old Ireland for most people is a solitary thing. Yeah. You go up there and you stand on your own yeah. and then you live with the the glory or the failure, yeah, whatever it is, yeah, and that, that's yeah. yours. It must be a really nice thing to have. It was nice, and it was particularly nice, obviously, for me, but it was particularly nice for the rest of them as well who had started off, you know, with Peg and, yeah. and you know, and, and for her husband. Mm-hmm. I Oh, I particularly remember, like, it was, it, yeah, we had to go up and play on the gig rig and my children were small. My youngest fella was was very young. He was about eight, I think, at the time. And I remember we we all piled onto this this uh, minibus, and we got a guard escort, you know, with the the guardie on the bikes with the flashing lights <laughs> yeah. up to the gig rig, you know. And my lot were, oh, oh my where, god, where this is that fantastic! Year? I've tried to. Oh god, isn't it terrible? Where was where did we win it? Do you know? I I can't actually remember yeah. where it was. It's terrible. Was that I, your could first? Have been, could have been in. Ballina. Okay. I think it was Ballina actually. Yeah. yeah, it was Ballina. And had you competed in, in anything before that, or was that your first? Uh, I mean, when I was younger, I'd competed in a, in in competition. Apparently, it was only by chance that I actually found out that I think it was in. 1994 I won the under 18 flute and I totally what forgotten it just, but it was the same year I think Liz Carroll won the, the, the fiddle yeah, Liz right, Carroll the great yeah. fiddle player And but the funny thing about it is it just shows, it shows you how really in, unimportant it was really well I know for me mm. you know I mean many a time I had I'd, I had sort of uh, qualified for competitions but I'd get stuck in a session and I wouldn't turn up yeah for the competition you wouldn't do that now no it'd be unheard of and I'm sure that's part of the um, being in a team being in a, in a Kelly band you're, it's not just you you've got the responsibility to your uh, mates, oh you've got your, the responsibility yeah, yeah but if you're solo you don't have quite the same no. response but even now the solo competitions have gone so competitive you know like yeah. it's, it's, it's you wouldn't dream of not turning up <laughs> what's the um, oh we're well, back then anyway what's the trajectory for a, a winning band like now it seems to be the band the Kelly band is the 
it's well, it's the thing that happens on the Sunday, and it's the you then hear about that band for the rest of the year, and they yeah, do great yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, it's now, for example, last year now at the, the Flower obviously was in Drogheda, so mm. we had a good few things to do. Like we played on the gig rig, and we also did Kayleigh House. Yeah, yeah. You know, and um, we've been asked to do the Flowers in Mullingar. We've been asked to do it again this year. We're doing the the, the, the gig rig, and have a, I think we. We may be doing Kaylee House as well. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. So, you know, there are there are always things, that, and it's great for us to get back together because we're quite we're quite spread out. Like this, yeah. three of us live in Meath, and the rest live in Dundalk. Yeah. You know, and we don't see each other that, that often. Yeah. So it is lovely to meet up. When you, when, know. when you got to the third year, well, first of all, I should ask the second year. I would imagine is yeah. twice as nerve wracking because they've almost got everything to lose in a way and yeah then well it was sort of a case of okay like what we yeah we're going to have to I would just do it like you know and then when it was the third year it was trying to pick tunes I think is the hardest thing and then we sort of said why don't we take Ash a look take a chance on you know the books of Orrin Moore I mean everybody loves the books of Orrin Moore you know and it's sort of like what about playing the books of Orrin Moore but oh come on it's like it's it's really common tune yeah but it's a great tune tune. let's take a tune let's take a chance let's do it put a few variations and we did she brought the house down yeah and that was it you know it was and then the was that your last year did you compete a fourth year no no walk walk away while walk away while while the going's good as it were (laughs) I love it do you reckon we could have a tune yeah great Um, do you have one in mind Um, I don't Uh, oh actually I know yeah um might as well play that this little hornpipe and let's play hornpipe and uh, I have a new granddaughter when I say new she's 10 months old now and the day she was I mean I've composed a few tunes over the years but this I was in school at the time when I got the news and the photograph you know the text and the photo of her um, after her she was born and uh, this tune just came to me in the afternoon so I called it Grace's Hornpipe so I play that for you okay Thank you. 
That's a gorgeous piece. <laughs> Thank you. Just, I actually had forgotten. There was one, one or two other things I wanted to ask you around that kind of, around Peg and I suppose women in 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 music. Yeah. And it's funny how you said that at the time it didn't really resonate too much with you, no. but in later years it has. Yes. You you were involved with um, Macala, is that how you pronounce That's it? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. When you look back again, there's uh, a absolutely yeah. Well, at that particular time, how Macala came about, I mean, people are inclined to think, oh, it was a. You know, it was a real women's, you know, sort of uh, trying to make a point. But in actual fact, it was part of the Dublin uh, music fest, traditional music festival at the time. And there were a lot of female musicians living in and around Dublin at the time. And um, uh, Joe Spegley um, was approached and um, was asked to get a group of women together singers and musicians to put on a concert and so she did she got a load of the singers and then who was living around Dublin at the time Mairead Nivuini um, like Maura O'Keefe um, myself Edel uh, McGuini Roma Casey um, like there, there was a, a, my own uh, sister-in-law Jacinta um, so yeah there was a, and we all got together and we I think we did probably about two two or three nights practice yeah. you know to get tunes together and all that and um, the singers got together as well like there was a rake of us all together I think it ended up there was probably about 25 and uh, the concert was in the Ormond Hotel on a Sunday afternoon and we thought you know, I'm just going to be many at this you know it was an afternoon concert yeah. first of all you know so I remember Joe Spegley going we were inside getting organised and uh she went out to the bathroom. She says, I'll just take a look and see what's going on outside. There was a line all the way down Ormond Quay and round the corner oh, of people man. waiting to get in. A lot of them, the male musicians. Yeah. <laughs> so it sort of, it was a phenomenal success, you know. What and, year was uh, this? This is 80s, was it? Oh my God, it was about 83. Yeah. And um, then we were approached by Gwelyn yeah. to record an album. And we did. Yeah. And then we were asked by the BBC to do a programme and then we were asked to make another album um, which was produced by Paddy Black. And the first album, I think, was produced by, oh, a guy. He, he produces the Anya um, albums now, yeah, okay. Nicky Ryan. Yeah, right, right. Nicky Ryan, yeah. yeah. And, um, I mean, we we did, you know, a few festivals and that, but there were so many of us. And then we all started, I mean... We we did a, quite a few television. We did the Mountain Lark television programs, the Coltus program. Mm. We did be program up in BBC. We did the Late Late Show. Oh, you know, I was pregnant in every one of them. But it's because <laughs> we were all we were all married. You know, yeah. well, a good few of us were married and having babies Starting at families. that time. You know, but so it's great. Um, there was a read the sea like there was a real want for it there. No one maybe knew it like. Not like a boy band or a, or a girl band that was put together I for know. marketing. It was put together and they, people just jumped at it. They did. They did. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it get, was good fun. Did you get? Was Was there a sense of like? Did people arc up and say, "Oh, they're a bunch of feminists," uh, or was it? No, some we were. We were. We um. We had some nicknames which I can't repeat. <laughs> It just—it wouldn't be a different time. Like it just wouldn't be accepted now. Like it's, it wouldn't be accepted yeah. now. No, but but look, we but we didn't get to hear about 
those till till afterwards you yeah. know and look it was funny it's, it's actually quite fine just laugh at it you yeah. know um but no i looked the majority of the male musicians were really supportive and they thought it was great right. yeah. and look you know i we had good fun yeah and that's what it was all about it was just about the fun what, and uh, what kind of um, what kind of state do you think the um, the music scene for for young women all women at oh, the moment is. it's it's uh, it's fantastic like yeah you know it's nearly it's nearly gone the other way where there might be maybe a bit of ageism. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. like there's so many young people. Mm-hmm. You know. Playing. So many young people, right. Yeah. I mean it's it's just the whole scene has has, has changed so much. Mm. You know. See, um, that's that's interesting but I, I think for me being in Australia I don't get to see that, that much. And I suppose over here I'm not saying by any means that it's an, an older fan base in totality, yeah, but yeah. I would say the mix is probably a little bit. There's middle age and up and up, uh, and, would, be and up would be more. Yeah, yeah. Be more. I mean, you go to a lot of the festivals. Like, um, it, there are so many young people. There is a cohort of young people. They all play together. Mm. Yeah, and it would be unusual enough to get an elderly person stuck in the middle. What kind you of? Know? Is there a different style of music being played? Yeah, there is quite a different style of music. Yeah, yeah. How so? Um, what would you categorise? Be a lot of modern tunes, a lot of, um, uh, you know, there's, there's several strands developed in Irish music. There's the real traditional strand, you know, and then there's sort of the middle of the road strand, and then there's sort of like another strand which is really sort of pushing the boundaries of the music Mm -hmm. you know look there's room as far as I'm concerned you know maybe the one that pushes the boundaries doesn't particularly interest me but I'm not going to make any judgment about it because if people are playing music and they're enjoying it that is fine Mm -hmm. and there's room for everyone you know I prefer the the other type you know the more traditional style and but that's what I prefer. I was thinking uh, about know. that today, earlier on today, and with relation to what we spoke about before with regional styles, and I suppose I, I'm kind of clumsily making my way through this, trying to understand it in some aspects. And let's say if it's true that some of the regional styles are becoming softer because yeah. there's so much music everywhere. Yeah. Hopefully, the flip side to that would be because of the new blood constantly coming through, what will happen inevitably, because it always does, the newer generations look back for inspiration. Yeah. So let's say the Sligo style, any moment could just yeah. get a resurgence because now you've got such easy access to all the old... Yeah. Any of these styles could redevelop but and they regrow could. from They anywhere. could, and that, that happens. You know, I mean, you, you have um, styles of flute playing mm-hmm. um, that are developing, like from, say, from, you know you're familiar with Harry Bradley Harry has an extremely rhythmical you know it's that old style he's a, compl- a completely fabulous technician but he also has that rhythm you know that that uh, uh, that old style of flute playing but that is extremely popular now among young males because of that right. you know so he has brought that style of flute playing to fruition yeah. which is great you know um then there is a more, uh, uh, you know, a very smooth, smooth style of flute playing, um, which 
I think is probably more popular in in the competition yeah. scene, you know. It's um, so funny. I, so it's interesting, yeah. you know, but it's good. We, we caught up with um, We caught up with Ollie and Brian couple of months back yeah and we were speaking about our, that's our right Eileen was out yeah and and we're talking about the the style of of playing and moving to yeah. the the bc yes i'll probably get this wrong i'm sure he moved it was he, he was integral in moving towards the bc style of yes playing. yes and what struck me was a, a pretty much a throwaway comment maybe during that conversation but it was around how people from capital records were sent over to Ireland to record some people, and or, or maybe it was in America, but to yes, record Irish yes. people. And he was lucky enough to be one of the people that was chosen to, to be recorded. Yeah. Now, that kind of stayed with me, because it really only takes maybe an album or two oh, yeah. to completely change. Oh, well, a, that, it, absolutely, that's it. You if know, he hadn't been exposed yeah. to then the tens of thousands, millions of people because of that recording, would that have style have taken off? Who, who knows? <laughs> Yeah. Reminds me, I did have another question that I want to ask you about, yeah. about your music. Listening to um, your albums and, and the name escapes me now, the um, the Home Ruler and the Sly, uh, the traditional uh, Sligo was common. Yeah, and, the, uh, music from and the Sligo was common style, yeah. the very first one. Yeah, and both of them have um, piano accompaniment. Yes, and you, you you and you're an old, you wear a piano accompanist as well of sorts. Yeah. <laughs> What what is it about the piano that that you that you like as a? Okay, well the very first album I I was forty before I made it and I, I because I thought you had to be asked to make an album I didn't <laughs> realise that you could just go and make one yeah. you know it had never occurred that I was worthy to do it until Chloe Connacht approached me and said would look would you make an album and I was sort of oh my god you know so that was fine and I I was very friendly with Felix Dolan who was a legendary piano player from New York and he had recorded with Andy McGann and Joe Burke and that Mm -hmm. and when I was a child I had been listening to this stuff you know and I and I, I loved it and I loved his style of piano playing so I and he had actually stayed in our house and I rang Felix and I said look would you be interested in recording and straight away absolutely he said I'd love to so Felix came over we recorded the album in a weekend and um, and that was it and you know it's some of the best piano playing I've heard and I, I mean it's so exquisite some of the stuff that he does on it you know and he just made me play I thoroughly enjoyed playing with him and then on the second album which was the home ruler I decided look I'm going to have to do something different I can't do the same thing again so um but I wanted to have Felix. Mm. And so I was over at the Catskills um, Festival and we decided we'd record a few tracks and on the way back in Woodstock. Right. <laughs> Can you believe yeah. it? Yeah, Woodstock, the studio in Woodstock. And then I said, look, I'm going to ask a few other accompanists and I love Geraldine Cotter's style of playing. And so I asked Geraldine, would you play? And she said, Absolutely. And then there were some particular tunes I thought, do you know something? I love Steve Cooney's guitar playing and Steve is from Australia. Mm. You, you know all about yeah. Steve. And I I had been doing a festival and Steve was there and he had played with me. And I remember my son coming up to me and saying, Mum, you have to get him to play on your album. That was amazing. You have to get him. So... At, that, at the end of the weekend, I went up to Steve and I said, Steve, can I have your number? 
um, I just want to, I want to talk to you about something. I'll ring you. He says, what do you want? I said, I'll ring you. No, he says, what do you want? You know, it was like he felt it. Yeah, he knew. And I says, I'm making an album. Would you play? Yes. Answer was straight away. Yeah. That was so delightful. I was delighted with that and honoured, obviously. And then my nephew, Paddy McAvoy, is a super piano player. So I asked Paddy, would he play as well? Yeah. And uh, he so, said, absolutely delighted. And then I have Joe Kennedy from Roscommon on the bower on. Had to get the bower on in there too. Was there a lot of piano around when you were when those people were coming yeah. through in yeah. Birmingham yeah yeah there was yeah, uh, yeah it was a lot of piano, piano player of course you have Charlie Lennon I mean legendary piano player so maybe know. so the reason I made the connection from the previous conversation to this is yeah. and I was talking about um, Paddy O'Brien and the yeah. styles change now I think it was Dominic who told me this so Dominic's the, my offsider mm-hmm. <laughs> and partner in this he had mentioned to me and this is something that's always stayed to me too that the piano or the vamping piano anyway yeah may have come about because of recordings that were happening in America does this sound familiar possibly and yeah they yeah. This, as the story goes that the Irish musicians sorry to record or to play they needed a union member and a lot so of the studios would have players, a piano yeah, yeah. They, some of them had never backed Irish music before so was this and true some of them probably well would have ruined <laughs> And that's a where lot the of the music comes from. Yeah, somebody, like, you, yeah, like your album yeah. is fantastic. But I think there was always, um, yeah, there the would always have been from Kayleigh bands, I think, and and that I suppose there would have been piano players and and uh, um, I mean, yeah, a good piano player is great. Yeah, you know, from a rhythmical point of view, it's great. Of course, look the way things have developed now. I mean, you have you have the legendary. Alec Finn, uh, who, you know, um, revolutionised the Greek bazooki, you know, and which my son plays and he would have learnt from Alec. Um, and you have, like, the likes of Artie McLean, absolutely legendary guitar player, sadly no longer with us. And, of course, then, as I say, Steve Cooney, who was an absolute pleasure playing with him. Yeah. You know, so, like, it's fantastic because it, it gives it... And the idea of getting all the different players was just to give each track and maybe a slightly different feel, mm. you know, to make it more interesting yeah. and um, and to do something different. And, of course, that I was only after getting, and I have to mention, uh, Mike Grinter, the great flute maker who's sadly no longer with us. And um, actually, the flute that I'm playing here is a Mike Grinter. It's, it's really an E-flat Mike Grinter, yeah, okay. which I particularly... Said for the interview, I'd love to play. And you're only the second flute player we've had on here, okay. and the other one, uh, Corinne Stradding, plays a play the Mike, Mike Grinter as well. well. Yeah, I think I would normally play my D, which is an old two two hundred year old Rudel and Rose, mm-hmm. you know. But on this occasion, being in this country, I couldn't but not play a Mike Grinter. So, well, thank you. you. Know. Do you reckon um, you could have a tune from it? Another one. Another one. Okay, let me see. Um, another. Set. Oh, do you want to set another set of jinx, maybe? If you like, that'd oh. be amazing. Okay. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 
Thank you so much for that. You're welcome. They were two jigs, actually. And the first one um, is called The Lad from Kisco, as opposed to The Maids of Mount Cisco. <laughs> it was composed by uh, Brendan Toner, who was a fiddle player from Sligo, who yeah, lived most right. of his life in, in America. And the second tune, sure, I couldn't uh, play the flute on the programme without... Uh, uh, mentioning Josie McDermott, of course. So that was a tune, a jig that was composed by Josie McDermott. It was called Dominic's Farewell to Cashel. Forgive me. Um, I don't know who that is. Who? Um, Josie McDermott. Josie McDermott, McDermott was the yeah. blind flute player. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I yeah. No, know that's what fine. You yeah, that's fine. Um, just was one of the things I was hoping to ask you about anyway, and it's a bit nerdy, and sometimes I do get a bit that's nerdy with, with the instruments, is. Yeah. It's great you mentioned that, that Mike Winter um, made that your instrument there. So, look, this is the long way of getting to. Okay. So, you're here in Boxwood, oh, sorry, in Australia yeah. for the um, Boxwood Australia. Yes, yes. And of course, thanks to to uh, Culture Ireland, and uh, you know, which is it's fantastic that they fund things like this. Mm-hmm. And you know, Chris does such fantastic work. Um, I've been to Boxwood in Canada, and. Um, I mean, the work that he does is just uh, amazing. Right, well, hopefully, yeah. hopefully this weekend we'll get to catch up with Chris and Absolutely. get him in the hot seat as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but you're billed as you're teaching flute and whistle, is that right? I think flute anyway. Okay. Probably, do you play whistle? whistle? I do. I don't class myself as a whistle player, but I do play whistle, yeah. Well, I, I suppose that's why I was asking, because I, I, when I'm doing research again, the... Uh, I just said something I'd read where I said you described someone and I can't actually remember who that person was, but you said he's a real flute player, not someone playing the, the flute as a whistle, uh, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to me, a, a novice, I'm trying to wrap my head around that to, to see some what extent. The difference yeah, so is, can yeah. you explain that to like someone? Yeah, who's a well, nobody? you know, it's it, the only thing really that's the same is the fact that the the, the structure, the whole structure, is the same. You know, your B is where the you know the six holes yeah, are the yeah. same, and that's what I th- um, would have thought. Yeah, the 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 breathing obviously is different. The phrasing, okay. So breathing, is different. What, why is that breathing, different? you know, where you breathe in the tune um, uh, on the whistle. You know, there are different techniques. You um, you can sort of go to the end of of from the the bar structure, and you can take a breath. Yeah, was on the flute. You know, you split um, the you drop notes on the flute in order to take a breath. I you know, actually like, understand that. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's how sometimes I can hear the individual styles come out. Yeah, like if I was playing, the, say, for example, that tune on the whistle. Um, I took the breath at the beginning and I went right to the end and I was able to do that. But on the flute, you know. You can hear the difference in the phrasing. Completely, completely. Yeah, yeah. just an easier way of explaining it. All right, then if we're going into the anatomy, I have one or two quick questions. I think I understand keyless Yes. And keyed. And your other, I had actually some questions about your other flute because I read about that too. And it said it didn't have a, uh, a tuning slide on it. What, what, what's the tuning slide? That, that's my, my D flute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
it was obviously made um, it's one of the early Rudlin roses and it the tuning was slightly different I think then so the, the flute was made with um, no tuning slide and it's just a solid wooden head okay yeah um, and possibly it might have been made with two headpieces and the other one might have had a tuning slide on it but it obviously it got lost or somewhere along the way but then there were rings put on the flute to elongate it so that it uh it the pitch was brought down yeah. in order to fit in with the tuning of the so day. where did you get that tune you know, that, that flute from the flute i was in birmingham believe it or not it was actually in a actually the girl that I talked about earlier Kathleen mm-hmm. Laurie her brother-in-law owned a music shop in, in Broad Street in Birmingham that uh, sold fiddles and cellos and all that sort of crack and uh, this guy came in one day and he had two instruments two flutes old flutes and he wanted a few bobs so um, he he was given I think it was £12 at the time for the two one of the flutes was not great and uh, the other one was the one that I have and it was a really really good one so of course um, Kathleen's brother-in-law gave gave it to her and it was actually her flute but when I was asked to play with the Birmingham band they sort of that's the flute they said there learn the tunes on it and I did and I was playing with them and that and then when I decided to move back to Ireland in 1977 they gave me the flute wow. as a present yeah and, and it's still well obviously it's still never going let that go. it's still going yeah yeah, yeah. and um, you know I'm so delighted and yeah. honoured to have it yeah I, I yeah. imagine you will yeah. be some quick hopefully questions to, to finish up okay who should I have on my radar to listen to uh, from a flute perspective who, who's playing at the moment that I absolutely or even no who, at the moment who should I pay attention to it's very hard to say that because I could leave somebody out true so I just need to go through everyone yeah <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> and then the other question is um, it's something I, I, I would have liked to ask you at the start when you were speaking about your mum and dad yeah. but I suppose the question is with either of them do you do you ever see them coming through in your music? My my parents, uh, well, put it like this, you know, obviously I think of them a lot. Like I, last year I, I received an award, it's called Gradham Kjol. Hmm. I think John Carty got it, I can't remember what year he got it, but it's an award given by T.G. Cahar, um, just generally for um, uh, your work in Irish music and all that sort of thing and and uh, so I received the main award last year um, traditional musician of the year and I very much thought of my parents yeah. I had to give a little speech yeah. you know it went out live on TG Cahar and uh, of course I you know had to mention well I didn't have to mention but I mentioned my parents because obviously only for them you know yeah. sacrifices they made and uh, just the whole in just the general subtle encouragement, mm-hmm. you know, not pushing, a general subtle encouragement in everything we did, yeah. you know, um, and the chances that they gave us and the chances that they they didn't have when they were young, they gave to us. And I mean, it was a huge thing for them moving over to England at that particular time. And the ironic thing is that they ended up, when we got and we moved back to Ireland, both myself and my brother, we ended up marrying a brother and a sister 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's yeah. like my my um, brother is married to my husband's sister. Wow, and they're yeah. super musicians, and their kids are all great musicians. And my kids play. My son lived in Melbourne here for a while, and uh, he recorded with Ado Barker, who's a yeah, yeah. great fiddle player. And um, um, my youngest son then is a super fl- flute player as well. And um, my daughter also plays the fiddle. Um, but, you know, the... the Yeah, my, my parents ended up living next door to me in County Meath as well, Lovely. which was great in yeah. their latter years and we were able to mine them and, you know... Um, I, th- I think that's a, a lovely place to wrap up. Just, I should tell you, when, when myself and Dominic started making this podcast, mm-hmm. one of the ideas at the start of why we want, one of the questions and reoccurring things we really want to explore was music has a way of connecting you to people and to memories. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. really, there's nothing else that does it like that. So it's really nice to, for mm-hmm. you to kind of mm-hmm. speak about your parents like that. And it also reminds me of, um, Reading that interview, how we spoke about, about sorry, reading that interview that we spoke about earlier on, where you mentioned about playing slow, mm-hmm. and that often gives you a time to remember things. I know that kind of resonates yes. with me too. I think that's really nice. Yes. So to finish, if you wouldn't mind playing a song, would you have something that rem- even reminds me of your family or your, or your Shall mom I? dad? Yeah. Okay. I play an air. An air. Cheeky yeah. one. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on. You're so welcome. And I, Thank you so much for asking.
beautiful is that last tune? And it's, it's incredible. Good, right? Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Um, what I should say also, we didn't mention at the top of the episode, uh, Catherine did tip on it when we were having a chat, but Catherine's over here for Buxwood, which is funded in part by Culture Ireland, promoting Irish arts worldwide. So uh, thank you so much to uh, Culture Ireland and um, thank you to Boxwood for organizing an interview with Catherine for us. Yeah. And um, thank you, Catherine. Yeah. One last thing at the end, we made it obvious at the start that we have this call to action. Hopefully you love that hour and a bit chat. So you're now at the end, the music's coming up behind me again. It's time to close the window, open up patreon.com forward slash Bellani Pilgrims and become a patron. Good luck. See you next week. Hi, my name is Pietro. Please become a good subscriber to the podcast. Thank you.